here's the big question. What if you had to start over from scratch and build a business with limited time and resources? Maybe the economy just pulled the rug out from under you, or you're in a business that's underperforming or a career that's going nowhere. How would you flip the switch to go from where you're at to where you want to go? A profitable business that supports your family and allows you to live the life you were meant to live. My name is Jason Liu, and each week I'm going to bring you guests that are further down the road while documenting my own journey. Welcome to the business of feeling good. So welcome everyone to the business of feeling good. I am your host today. My name is Jason Liu and I'm joined uh, by one of my great friends, uh, someone I've had the chance of knowing for quite some time, but he's gone on to do some incredible work. Um, he's gone on to do TEDx talks. You've seen him on things like Access Hollywood. He's been on a show called Doctors, um, but he currently is down at UCLA right now. And I want to make sure I get this right. You're the head of private, you were originally in a private practice, right? You had- right. Interventional oncology, is that correct? Yeah, I was doing interventional radiology, interventional oncology in a private setting. I was the chief of uh, interventional radiology at Providence St. Joe's Medical Center. And now as I'm sort of transitioning to this new phase of my life, doing some part-time work at UCLA, and you know, we can get into some of these other things a little bit later. Yeah, absolutely. So for the layman out there, and we wanna, I want to come back to this for a second, but for the layman out there, what is interventional and diagnostic radiology? Right. So radiology is the um, medical specialty that focuses on imaging the, the body. So we have different modalities, including ultrasound, CT scans, MRIs that pierce into the body. Um, and so a diagnostic radiologist uses those imagings to help clinicians figure out what's going on inside the body. An interventional radiologist is a minimally invasive surgeon that uses the imaging to do minimally invasive surgeries. So uh, we do things like um, you know, uh, biopsy, you know, masses in the, in the body. We do a lot of oncology work. We, you know, if a blood vessel is, you know, is closed, we can open it. If a blood vessel is bleeding, we can close it down. So it's really using imaging, um, and, uh, performing minimally invasive surgeries using the imaging. Got it. Got it. Um, and before all this, I knew Ken as the best damn orientation leader in Ravel College um, <laughs> at UC San Diego. And he was the reason why I think I had such an amazing experience, at least my first couple years in college. Um, he was the founder of a group called Masa as well. Um, and uh, one of the things I just kind of wanted to dive into before we kind of get into this new kind of pivotal state of where you're at currently right now, can we go mm -hmm. back a little bit? Because... If I was reading correctly, um, and I watched your TED Talk as well, one of the things that really stuck out was because I think my wife had a very similar experience being a boat refugee. Um, mm -hmm. Would you mind kind of touching on that and kind of where the humble beginning started for you? Yeah, sure. Uh, so I was born in Vietnam a few years after uh, the Vietnam War. And, um, you know, at that time, there was a lot of... Uh, uh, both Vietnamese and I, I, I'm actually a, a Chinese born in Vietnam looking to kind of flee the, the, the new, what's that? Was it my, my, my dad's Chu Chow and my mom is Cantonese and I speak Cantonese at home. Got it. So yeah. My Vin's Chu Chow. That's why I asked. Yeah. Oh, neat. Yeah. Uh, so um, yeah, we, we left at the, the end of uh, 1978. I was on a boat refugee uh, I, I was a boat refugee for eight months, so we spent eight months docked in a boat right outside the Philippine refugee camp, another three months in a Philippine refugee camp, and then basically kind of came over to America with no money in our pocket. Um, 
And, uh, and for me, you would think, wow, you know, I was the only infant that actually survived that particular boat journey. And you would think as a kid, I would be you know, extremely grateful that I'm alive. But, you know, I certainly did a lot of comparisons uh, back in the day. Um, you know, I was bused to, I would, you know, I was raised in a very poor area, Chinatown at Los Angeles, but I got bused to a more affluent area. And, you know, as a kid, I definitely knew the financial differences of myself and my peers. You know, I was made fun of, of being Asian, of being short, of having, you know, holes in my clothes, the sticky food my mom cooked. And so a lot of that, you know, drove you know, a, a personality, so to speak, because I had to create this persona of myself where I didn't feel like I had to be like, not enough. You know, I, I didn't have any Asian heroes at the time. And, and I was, you know, I needed to, to set an identity of myself. How am I going to stand out and not feel like I'm not enough? Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, what was driving that was the premise that I was not enough and I needed something external or something different for, for me to, you know, feel all that. Hmm. So that's that that was uh, that was how I kind of grew up. Were there I mean, I think about traditional Asian households and it's kind of like you've got three options, either you're a doctor, a lawyer, and I guess an, an engineer these days. Um that was kind of what was laid out for me too. I, it was uh, a little bit different. Obviously, I was fifth generation Chinese American. So mm -hmm. my parents um were born here, my grandparents were born here, but um obviously it was, you know, immigration from mainland China. Um, during you know Chinese Exclusion Act during the early or late 1800s, early 1900s, my family came over here. But the pressure was always to be something important, um, and I think that that's really instilled still um, being Chinese American. Um, were those pressures there? I mean, essentially, you were you know you weren't even first generation necessarily. You were you know immigrant coming to this country trying to find a way, and I think it's incredible what um, you've been able to accomplish. Yeah. So I was really, you know, as a kid, I wanted to be an actor. You know, I always thought that maybe that was something that, I don't know, I always found that fun. I was a bit of a ham um, and I auditioned for, you know, many roles, including, you know, The Golden Child with Eddie Murphy. And I don't know what many people know, but I also auditioned uh, for the 1988 Best Picture, The Last Emperor. Oh, wow. And my, my brother actually got that role and I didn't. Oh my um, <laughs> I know, I know. Um but, uh, you know, I always desired to do speaking and, and to, you know, kind of create. Um, but uh, like you, you know, I had three options and not, you know, necessarily a doctor, a lawyer or an engineer it was a doctor, an MD or a physician. <laughs> so so I went to medical school. I mean, uh, I, I was you know, I was always good in the sciences. Uh, so it was a natural fit. But there was some, something in me that was like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if exactly this is the right path for me. And, and honestly, it, it never really felt that way. We can get into more, more of that a little bit later, but I, I just felt, okay, well, let me just do something to uh, fulfill my parents' expectations. I mean, they went through so much sacrifice, you know, to come here to America. I wanted to make their lives mean something and, and, you know, not listening to my own calling. I, you know, uh, you know, chose, chose something that would maybe make them proud. That's a really interesting thing that I don't know is brought up that often in media today because it's such a it's such an Asian story. Like it is so ingrained that you want to make your parents proud. When did you kind of realize that there was friction there between what you wanted and maybe what you felt like you wanted to give your parents in terms of making sure that they were a proud of you or being able to kind of acknowledge the sacrifices they made to come to this country? 
Yeah, repeat that question again, sorry. So, I mean, when did you kind of figure out or when did you kind of acknowledge that there was friction between what you mm, wanted, what right. your purpose was versus kind of the expectations of your parents or wanting to acknowledge them? Because I think so often um, we want to honor our parents or ancestors for making this journey, yet mm. there are certain callings where we're like, that's just not me anymore. Yeah, um, yeah. And when did you kind of A, notice it or really realize that you were not on the right path? Right. So I think I was going into uh, medical school um, and, you know, it didn't necessarily feel right. It just felt like the next thing to do. And right. when you're, when you're not conscious about listening to your calling, I mean, I, I was always, you know, you remember in college just, you know, being an orientation leader and leading and speaking and maybe even being animated, you know, those, those are the things that lit me up. You know, as I entered medical school, I felt like, you know, the, uh, the, you know, my, my doctor supervisors always, you know, claimed and wrote, wrote down my report, a little too much energy, a little too much comedy, you know, not necessarily fit. And over time, you just start to, you know, say, oh man, is who I am are the things that light me up, just not, you know, aligned with how I should be as a doctor. And so I, I think I try to conform over time. And as you're going through the training, as you're, you know, becoming a doctor, then you start to, you know, uh, you know, listen to some of your peers and, you know, some of them, uh, you know, uh, chase money, they chase some security and things like that. And that became, that becomes the new point as to how you view your life. And as I continue that journey, I was like, wow, um, I was chasing all that. I was chasing, you know, uh, success in the hospital, uh, how to make more money and all that. And so it didn't really, you know, and I never really felt like, you know, things kind of lit me up or I was super happy at the time, but, you know, about three years ago, I was uh, probably, you know, 70 years in attending. I was chief of inter interventional radiology at St. Joe's Medical Center. I had a fancy house, fancy car. I had all these things that on the outside would appear, you know, I should be very successful and happy, but I wasn't. You know, I was burnt out. You know, I, I didn't, uh, you know, I didn't sleep very well. I didn't eat very well. And three years ago, I find myself, you know, overweight, diabetic hypertensive. I was on tons of prescription me medicines. And I said, wow, here I am as a doctor um, who's getting sick, you know, getting the very early stages of the, some of the diseases I was treating. And I really felt like a phony and I was like, wow, what's happening here? And then, then it really started a process of me reevaluating my life. Like, am I really living uh, my life true to who I am? And I think it was, it was me not being that way, constantly, you know, seeking outside for something to fulfill me on the inside. Mm. That just drove a lot of stress that goes on my body. And all that stress translated to how my DNA interacts and how I got disease. And as I start to wake up, as I started to learn how to be healthy, which I never learned in medical school, you know, I reversed all my diseases in, in like uh, six months. So, wow. you know, really now, um, you know, my, my path is really to, to let people know that, you know, their health, their performance and where they are in their life is, you know, they really have, you know, a lot of control over, I mean, heart disease, diabetes, cancer, neurological diseases, all these big killers that are continuously, um, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, it's the biggest killers in America right now. And those right. statistics keep going up. In fact, you know, for two years in a row, life expectancy in America has actually decreased. And it's not because we have more disease in the system. It's because people 
are not awake to number one, their power to control their health. And number two, maybe living a life that's inauthentic. Hmm. I want to unpack that a little bit because I think you yeah. touched on something that's really interesting. And uh, you know, I had my own journey along the way with it as well, which is you chase success for so long. And the idea of kind of being like the Tony Stark or the Batman or Superman, or whatever you want to call it, where you've got mm-hmm. stuff. And it's like, I always thought, especially coming from an immigrant family, that that's what was supposed to make me happy. Like money was supposed to be like, oh, look at them. Look at how mm-hmm. successful. Look at all the, the acronyms they have after their names. And you start to accumulate this stuff. And it really feels like the first time it's great. And the next time it's a little less great. And the next time, the next time you're just looking for this next, next hit of mm-hmm. how much bigger of a house, how much nicer of a car. Mm-hmm. Um, and you realize, at least for me, I began to realize that um, when you start to peel it back. I was a really unhappy person. Um, and I know you had a show for a while. Maybe you still do right now called mm-hmm. behind the white coat. Was that right? Right. Yeah. It was something that I did. It was live feed, you know, to kind of blend, you know, uh, humor, entertainment and health. Um, and we're still moving in that direction, although that show is, you know, currently closed. I'm still doing uh, content, you know, now, you know, on national television, Absolutely. Some, some, some other things. But, uh, but yeah, that, that was a good kind of start of me just doing things that light me up. Right. And that is so important. I love, I love the name of your podcast, The Business of Feeling Good, because feeling good, being happy, that is our birthright. And in the things that make us feel that way are the things that we should be chasing more because we, you know, unfortunately, um, you know, just the thoughts and, you know, how our society, you know, you know, pushes the things that should make us happy um, are very artificial. They might not be in full alignment of who we are. And I think many times as, as a child growing up, you know, I felt that there's certain things that lit me up, but you know, your parent, you know, your parents would say, no, that's, that's not a realistic job or that's not a realistic <laughs> activity for you to do. And over time you start to say no to your desires mm-hmm. and, and doing that, you start to lose yourself. Mm-hmm. And as you start to lose yourself, your body start, you know, it's going to realize, wow, you know what? I want to be this one thing, but you know, you know, everybody else is saying no. And if you start to say no to yourself, there is actually a biological response in your body. You have increased cortisol, increased adrenaline. Your body thinks that you're running from a saber-toothed tire 24-7, and that drives inflammation, and that's what drives disease. Hmm. So tell me a little bit, because you talked a lot about going through this own transformation around health, around reducing stress, around mm-hmm. trying to find kind of center for you, purpose, passion, where you want to go, and really aligning both kind of your purpose and path along with your overall health. Um, mm-hmm. Tell me, do you mind kind of sharing a little bit yeah. about that journey in terms of how you were able to write the ship? Yeah, I would probably still say number one, I'm 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 in the process, and I think yeah, you know, as as we evolve as human uh, in human school, we are you know constantly evolving. But you know, certainly three years ago when I found myself sick, um, it was you know looking for things that you know potentially just provided some kind of spark on the inside. You know, so I started to do a lot of personal development courses like uh, Landmark. Um, I started to go to seminars like from Tony Robbins. There's a group called Mind Valley. So a lot of these are just sort of personal development to, to start to get you awakened to the world of the matrix I used to live in. Mm. And it was part of that awakening that was like, wow, beginning to see that my former thoughts and beliefs of how I should live my life was really kind of programmed in. And it's the dissolution of that and starting to really ask yourself and get really centered. Okay. What makes me happy? 
what makes me happy is this this outside thing or intrinsically what makes me happy mm. and it's a constant um you know evolution of finding your your own true north and starting to do some of those things i know you've dove uh, deeply into personal development and personal growth. Yeah. Like I've seen you with Wim Hof. I've seen the, the photos with uh, Deepak, uh, Tony Events. Um, mm-hmm. What have you found? Because I think you've done a really great job of immersing yourself into growth and development and trying to get around the right people. Um, what have you learned from kind of that path? Because it seems such a, uh, I guess, a difference between where you came from a, from a medical background. Mm-hmm. Did that come through at all? Yeah, it did come through. Thank you. Um, what I found uh, in my path of personal development is, you know, we are born perfect. You know, uh, the things that light us up, the things that make us happy. If we look at children who are just really, really loved, they are playing all the time. They're trying new things, and that's how they approach life. And that is our natural state. And that's our birthright. And so over time, Sometimes we just start to pick up programs that are not ours and uh, being able to see that, you know, now as we get through adults, sometimes as adults, we, uh, we run the, the same programs of, of maybe a hurt child um, and we are not aware that we are living in this program that's causing us to be miserable. And just through a lot of the personal development work, seeing what is the program that, that's operating your life, knowing that you can go deeper and start to set new beliefs and a new mindset to start to make changes and shifts. That's been the most powerful thing. And in terms of kind of looking at this self-healing process, because you talked a lot about um, reprogramming beliefs, looking at um, maybe programs that weren't serving us as well. Um, there's a lot of information out there. There's just a ton of, I think, I think we live in the golden age of gurus when it comes to coaches and teachers these days. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of good that comes from it as well. But if there've been certain lessons that you've taken away that you're like, I've really been able to implement this. Um, or are there any key things that you've taken away more recently that you're like, this has really changed in terms of how I'm approaching life right now. Right. Uh, well, I've learned that no one is your true guru. There's no one that's going to truly know the authentic you except for you. Um, you could just learn from other people's sort of path and following. And if, if there's certain things that resonate with you, like, like, wow, that feels good. Then you, you take that in, you incorporate that into your evolution. And that's the other thing about it is it is an evolution. You know, you're not going to wake up one day and go, boom, I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm, I'm it. You know, I'm, I'm arrived. Right. Right. Exactly. It's, it's a constant, it's a constant, uh, you know, questioning of, uh, you know, of, of what's real for you. And so uh, that's what I found to be true. And I, you know, I continuously evolve and, and learn. And with each, you know, seminar or with each, you know, uh, you know, I do things like, you know, plant medicine and things like that. That's really sort of allowed me to kind of tap into my subconscious states and be able to shift uh, some of, you know, you know, beliefs and, and, and thought patterns that I wasn't really aware of. You know, sometimes when you're, you know, a fish swimming in water, you're like, well, where's the water? You know, it's all around you. You, you just don't know and you don't see it. So sometimes, you know, things like that can, can, can allow you to start to see some of those programs. When you do, can we, can we like tangent for a second and talk about sure. plant medicines here? Cause sure. I've had friends that have done like the, they found shamans that have done work. What does it mean to you or kind of what path did you take when it came to plant medicines? 
Yeah. So, um, you know, I've had, uh, you know, many friends, uh, you know, particularly in, you know, some of these personal development groups that have gone, you know, to South America um, and whatnot to do uh, medicines. And there's an organization called MAPS um, that studies psychedelics. So medicines like LSD, ayahuasca, 5-MeO-DMT, ketamine, MDMA, psilocybin, psilocybin mushrooms have a, the ability to sort of open up your heart and open up your mind um, so that maybe you could start to take a step away from the operating system to see your operating system, you know, from a third, you know, from, from, from a bird's eye view and be able to go, wow, okay, I can start to see some of these programmings. And that's a very healing process. And that really leaves the door for kind of, you know, laying down new programs and taking new actions in your life. That's awesome. That's really awesome, man. Um, and I've heard you talk about hypnotherapy as well. Is that right? Yeah, so I've talked about hypnotherapy. I've uh, done it a few times. That's another modality, many different type of modalities um, that will sort of just allow you to get out of your beta state, you know, your brain. Your beta state is when you're, you know, up and, and awake and just operating. Your alpha state and your delta states are deeper brainwave states. I mean, you could tap into that. You're actually tapping into your, your, your subconscious a little bit more. So things like meditation, things like hypnosis, and some other modalities allow you to kind of get in that space. That's awesome. That's really awesome. So what is it for you now in terms of, do you have daily practice? Are there certain check-ins that you have in terms of, here are my, I've heard you talk about seven different markers at times as well in terms of areas of your life that you kind of keep a watch on in terms of, am I feeding this? Am I not feeding this, these areas of my life? Um, Mm -hmm. To kind of keep yourself in balance. And there's a lot of talk of, morning rituals. There's a lot of talk of um, kind of just, I don't want to say self-diagnosing because that's the wrong term, but in terms Mm -hmm. of just keeping yourself on the right track, what works Mm -hmm. for you right now? What works for me, the biggest thing that works for me right now is actually, you know, I train with a a celebrity trainer uh, called Eric the Trainer. And uh, I walk in, you know, early morning, you know, 630 or so, and I meet with, you know, several people and we have an awesome workout. He brings the energy. So, you know, I think priming yourself in the morning about just feeling good and knowing that, you know, just getting yourself like right in the right state and being very conscious about how do I put myself in a feel good state right from the start so that when, when things come at me, I'm not reacting to them, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm responding to them. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, different people have priming rituals and things like that. One, I make sure I drink a lot of water, have a great night's sleep. I wake up with a cold shower and then I, I get to the gym because that for me is the priming, you know, being with community, being around positive people, you know, getting in my body and not in my head, that gets me in a state of just, wow, I feel good. The endorphins are running and then I take on the day. Nice. That's awesome. That's great. Um, you look great, by the way. Um, you, the transformation show. Seriously, man, you look amazing, dude. Um, what's kind of on the forefront? Like what's upcoming? Where is Kian going now? Yeah, so it's really kind of following some of the path. Um, so um, there's a lot of projects I'm involved with right now. One, I, uh, I still work doing a little bit of interventional radiology at UCLA. And then I have also a concierge longevity and performance clinic where I go through a lot of the lifestyle stuff and a lot of the new technologies in biohacking, 
and um, regenerative medicine to kind of get people really in peak performance and peak state. Uh, that's something I'm really proud of. I've also started to serve ketamine um, mm. as, you know, and in ketamine circles and in private sessions to really kind of, like I said, it's, it's one of those medicines within the psychedelic realm that allows people to, again, to take a step away from the operating system and start to look at their life and sort of see blind spots that they weren't able to see before. Um, and then I'm also doing, you know, some media that, you know, media is so important. I mean, you know, we, we spend so much time on our phones and I, I really do believe that if you want to reach people out there, you got to reach them, you know, get their attention and, you know, really allow people to just understand that health, is within their control. Yes, we have our DNA, but our DNA is controlled by the energy we feed it. Mm. So we've got to start to feed it with good energy. Our DNA will respond in such a way to have your cells thrive and perform in a peak state or go into an inflammatory state. Mm. And you mentioned, uh, you know, I mentioned seven things. There are actually seven key factors that we could all control to elevate our cells, what they call bioenergetic state. Mm. So nutrition, mm -hmm. movement, sleep, stress and emotional control, mm -hmm. our thoughts and mindset, relationships and purpose. Those are all energies that feed into our body. Mm -hmm. And, you know, do we feed our body with very positive energies from, from those seven things or do we feed it, you know, the negative energies? All stacked together, if, if you really work on all those seven things, you could put yourself in a state where you can, number one, be in peak performance and really avoid disease. Got it. And what's coming out in terms of the horizon? I heard book, possibly, um, more media appearances. Um, what's coming from you? Yeah, so there's going to be uh, more media appearances. I'm a media expert for Access Hollywood at the time. And, uh, you know, who knows? Uh, you know, I aspire to be maybe, you know, uh, the next version of a Dr. Oz or somebody who uses uh, media and entertainment to help people just wake up to how awesome they are and how awesome this life is. Uh, so there's that. And then the book is going to be coming out at, we're working with a publisher. We're shooting maybe uh, fall of this year or right at the beginning of next year. That's awesome, man. How's, yeah. How was that process um, in terms of sitting down and actually hammering a book out? Uh, it's been, it's been, you know, challenging at times because you're like, you have to really kind of put yourself in the state and like, how, what do I want to share? Yeah. So I would probably say with anybody who's interested in doing it, one, just get all your thoughts and stuff on paper, just like brain dump. Uh, we're in the process of editing it, it down now. And you now there, there was a, it was a draft. Right. But we're getting through the edits and if you know, you're working with a team, uh, you know, that, that's that smooth, it will smooth itself out. And I'm really looking forward to sharing it, um, you know, very shortly with, with the, uh, with the people out there. That's really exciting, man. Congratulations. It's Thanks, been brother. this incredible transformation. I mean, I, I feel like I've seen you in snippets along the way through it and it's great to kind of reconnect and see, I think when you're away from someone for a time, you get to see kind of from a distance, um, the shifts and transformations. Cause when you're in it on a day-to-day -day basis, mm -hmm. it's a lot, harder to see at times and uh, oh, yeah. it's, it's been inspiring to see man um you've done an incredible job it's inspiring to hear that you've kind of found your way a bit and we're all on that journey we're all trying to find our way a bit but it's inspiring to hear yours in terms of what you've been able to accomplish and what you've been able to create um you know for people out there that want to get a hold of you that maybe want to plug into your concierge service um, or just follow your media and content how do they best find you 
Yeah, the best way to find me is uh, on my website, KienVuMD, that's K-I-E-N-V-U-U-M-D.com. And all my social handles, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, it's also K-I-E-N-V-U-U-M-D. One last topic, and then I'm going to let you go here because I know you got people to see and things to do here. Um, one of the interviews I went back to and listened to, you talk about something called eudonic, is that right? Versus hedonic. Ah, uh, yeah. Is that yeah, right? Like demonic happiness. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So do you mind kind of touching on that? Because one of the things that I think all of us really battle is where we find that, that joy and how we really kind of plug into that. So I don't know if you have any nuggets or information that we can kind of hang on to here. Sure, sure. So um, when people talk about happiness, uh, some of the you know, philosophers out there describe happiness as hedonic or eudaimonic. Hedonic happiness is, is happiness you get from external things, you know, like your car, your house, or so, something there. And you know, that happiness could, could be kind of fleeting. I mean, it's good, you'll, you'll feel a good hit from it, but it's kind of fleeting. Uh, then you have eudaimonic happiness, or the, the joy that you feel you know, having a sense of purpose and having a sense of meaning. And they've actually done studies of people that, you know, are largely hedonic happiness based versus those that have uh, eudaimonic happiness. And they found that those people who develop, you know, a sense of belonging to something bigger, wanting to contribute to something bigger and have deep meaning, they actually have lower inflammatory markers. Their immune system is higher. These things called telomeres, um, in your cells, those things are longer and more preserved, which means that, you know, you're, you're, you're going to be living longer. So it's like your body is actually rewarding you with better health and performance if you live a purposeful life. And the last thing I want to, you know, um, say about purpose is sometimes, you know, people look at that word and it's very scary. Man, I need to find my purpose. What is, what is my purpose? And they want to find the right thing when the answer is actually a little bit more simple, hmm. you know, we, we have already won the lottery for being alive. So just, you know, I want people to just recognize that they are chosen. Um, the, you know, the chances of, of hitting the lottery two times in a row is, you know, is, uh, is uh, less than us being alive. So we, we've actually won like five lotteries by being alive. Number one, Two, our bodies know what we're meant to do. And we're meant to be here doing something great. And so when we just talk about purpose, purpose is really this. Purpose is just knowing the things that light you up, knowing the things that bring you joy, knowing the things that you know, put you in a state of gratitude. What are the things, what are the people that put you in those positive emotional th states, all right? When you start to understand that, when you start to understand, I do this thing, it makes me so happy. Those things are your passion. And what exactly is then purpose? Now, if you could just share who you are, doing those happy things that light you up, and then you share that with others, or you make the world a better place with the things that make you already feel good, that's your purpose. So honestly, your purpose is just to be you authentically. Know who you are. Know the things that intrinsically light you up, not outside things. Know those things. And if you could share that with you, if you could share that happy version of you, the grateful part of you, that is your purpose. So if you can do more of that, your body's going to reward you with health, longevity, and, um, and really, you know, uh, 
being the gift that you are to everybody else in the world. Thank you for sharing that. Um, and thank you for being here today. Um, I want to tell you that, uh, you know, one of the reasons that I was able to find some of my path and some of my journey, I feel like, especially in college, was because of you. Um, I don't think I would have had such an amazing experience had you not been that person when I first walked into UC San Diego that was excited and fun and energetic. Um, and to be able to then go back and have that experience and do that for other new orientees was an amazing experience. And it kind of just lit up an area of my life that I didn't know that I was passionate about. I didn't know that I had gifts for. So um, thank you for making a difference in my life. And thank you for your friendship and mentorship as well. Well, thank you so much, Jason. I mean, that was, you know, when I was super excited and whatnot, you know, I sort of lost that as I went into medical school. And it's now I'm starting to refine that and seeing other people just really passionate and excited about their life. That's what we are. That's what we allow. And that's what we give people when we are happy, when we are in, in a, a high vibrational state, it just allows other people to go, Hmm, how do I, how do I get that? You know? And I think it's really number one, just knowing and owning who you are and not necessarily needing outside things that to make you feel that way. That is, that is really the, the mastery of health is just number one, knowing who you are and following that. Um, and uh, it's been an exciting ride and I'm continuously, you know, in the process. Well, dude, thank you for sharing today. Thank you for being open and, and vulnerable. Um, I got a lot out of today's conversation, a lot of great nuggets. Also just a lot of great conversation. Like it's inspiring to meet other people on the journey. Um, so I want to thank you for your generosity your time and for being here today, my friend, and uh, best of luck on the new journeys. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Great Cheers. to see you, Jason. All right. Great to see you too, my friend. Thanks again. I hope you guys grabbed some great value out of today's conversation. If you want to further the conversation, I'd love to meet you personally. We've got a free Facebook community that you can dive into, free content, more resources, and I do lives every single week where I get a chance to interact with you and help coach you on exactly what you need. If you want to find it, you can find us at The Business of Feeling Good, or you can search the hashtag BOFG. Again, that's hashtag BOFG. If you like this episode, please share it. I'd love to hear from you. Your comments, your reviews truly mean so much to me. It's the lifeblood of what keeps me going, and it's how I craft the content that's better going to impact you. I look forward to seeing you guys on the next episode. Until then, cheers. Cheers.